Hi, this is Tina Black, and this is the B-Series Podcast. Today, we'll be exploring untold stories of transformation and leadership. We hope you'll subscribe and check out the B-Books and send us your stories of transformation after listening. Okay, this is so exciting because this is exactly the speaker interview that I need to do today right now because this has been a huge focus in not only my coaching companies, but in all of my businesses. And we get the opportunity to interview Nicole Bianchi. So thank you for being on today. (laughs) Tina, thank you for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I love your energy. I've been watching you. I've been stalking you. And I love the fact that you're known as a braver ship expert, which we're going to jump into that here in a moment, what that means. But she's an author of two incredible books. One is called Five Tough Talks, which I'm excited to dive into because you totally simplified and demystified having tough conversations through this book. And I cannot wait for my teams, my team leaders to jump into that. And uh, you've been in 16 years, you were an executive in two Fortune 300 companies, and you co-founded and scaled Bravium HD, which we'll talk about. And then you have company partners with esteemed brands such as Google, GE, Macy's, First National Bank, and Union Pacific. And I love uh, that Daniel H. Pink is one of uh, the people that endorsed your book. He's incredible. And he said... This is his quote, Bianchi shatters the false belief that only some of us are brave and truly clients and audiences are left inspired and transformed, which had Nicole, who is frequently booked out, known as a secret weapon of the C-suite world, which I love because I'm always talking about uh, the C-suite people in my company, so to speak, what I like to call them chief everything officers, though, because they aren't brave enough to have the tough conversations, Nicole. And so our companies kind of stay stagnant and they can't grow. And so we really struggle with this, right? From the top down, as, as they say, the, think, the, the fish stink from the head down, right? So starting with me and making sure that I'm set up with the tools, the proper tools, which I think you're the missing link that we need right now. But first and foremost, I want to hear from you. How did you get all involved in this? Where did this all come from? And how did you get to be so brave? I'm going to call this be brave because you can't be a leader and not be brave, right? You won't last long. (laughs) No, no, no. I'll tell you early on uh, uh, in my career, I was tossed into the most incredible situations where I either had to learn how to be brave, learn how to have the tough conversations, or I would have failed miserably. And so it was that practice over and over and over. So for example, my internship was in HR. They brought me in to this, this company and I am, they have me hiring and firing people as an intern. Okay. And I'm just like, wait a minute. And I developed their very first employee handbook. Right. So you're, I mean, I could tell you story after story after story of those. And so then I became the one in the company that, uh, uh, as it grew was the, Oh, that needs fixing. We're going to toss Nicole over there for about two years, let her transform it and then come back. And certainly I had a good circle of mentors and leaders, um, but as you know, unless you're repeatedly practicing and trying these different things, do you ever really get good at it? So that was my 16 years inside of a, two different Fortune 300 companies. And then I really figured out that 
I wanted to go work with leaders much broader and all over and leaders, not just any leader, but leaders that were wanted to grow leaders that were invested in their own growth, not that they had to be there, but that they wanted to be there. And so that was a shift for me about 12 years ago. And so I was like, okay, I want to attract all of these leaders that are like, you know what? I don't have that figured out. Let's work together so that you can help me level up and get to where I need to be. And that's exactly what needs to happen. It's not like you can, you know, hire someone to put your kids to bed at night. And I think as leaders, we just like say, who else can take care of this? Because I don't want to have this tough conversation. And, you know, even us in our companies, Nicole, as we've grown, we have nine companies now. And we thought, okay, let's hire an HR director. We hired a Nicole in our company, right? Because we were struggling with having the brave conversations. And I thought, wow, he's going to be so happy when he hears that we're bringing you on to help us and using your book to help us to simplify this. And I can't, you have to get the book. Stop what you're doing right now. Uh, where do they buy the book? Amazon. I know. What's your website yeah. name? So yeah. people- my oh. website name is Nicole M Bianchi.com and they can, you can go out there and it'll hyper hyperlink you to Amazon to, to find the book as well. Yeah. Follow Nicole on Instagram. She's fun. You fit the beauty industry so well. I was watching you and I thought, oh yeah, I got to have her on because we love people with energy in in our industry, as you can only imagine, because we need energy. We need people to pour into us. And, you know, something I find, especially in the beauty industry, Nicole, is a lot of the owners slash leaders they're, they're, they have servant hearts. So they're people pleasers and they really struggle with being that people challenger, if you will. And can you talk through that process? Like, why do you think that is and encourage us to become a better people challenger and why? So I'm a recovering people pleaser <laughs> as well. Okay. I don't want you to feel uncomfortable. I will go to great lengths to make sure that you are not in uncomfortable situations. And I tell the story from stage many times about a moment where my CEO and I were having a conversation and he had put me in a really difficult situation to transform a department. And he said, Nicole, if you can't fix this, we're outsourcing the entire thing. So fast forward, we go on to lunch and I'm going through the 90 day plan. And later on in life, I ended up getting braces on my teeth, my uh, teeth and I um, were enjoying salads and I end up uh, getting a piece of lettuce unbeknownst to me stuck to my front bracket. Okay. Uh. <laughs> I, I head back to what he says, Nicole, the 90 day, we spent an hour after the salads have been removed talking <laughs> through my 90 day plan. And Fast forward, I'm, I get a message from somebody as I'm walking through the sea of cubicles saying, hey, Nicole, you might want to go check your braces. I think you have something in them. So I run to the bathroom and I realize that this gorgeous lettuce I enjoyed at lunch has now wrapped itself around my front braces bracket like a, a mouth guard. And it was atrocious. And I and I thought to myself, um, oh my gosh, like, why didn't he say anything like, and then I realized, gosh, we're just taught not to be brave. We're, we're taught not to, in these uncomfortable situations, not to say anything or not to do anything, but look at what, I mean, that doesn't serve anybody. And so I actually followed up. I, I asked myself and kind of reflected, do I say something or do I let it go? And so the brave move for me was getting in there just a few weeks later and asking him, Hey, did you happen to see anything? when we were having, you know, this 90 day conversation. 
And he turned bright red, looked down. We were at another meal, which you're going to giggle at, but we were not eating salads this time. And, and I, and now the, the people pleaser, Nicole would say, Hey, um, I get it. Like it's uncomfortable. I feel the same way too. I would let him off the hook. And I had to de- the real brave move was not asking the question. It was going in deeper and saying, you know, listen, if, if I can't trust you to tell me something so simple as I've got lettuce in my braces, how do I know you're going to have my back and give me feedback and that we are going to be able to work best together so that we can turn around this department. And that began the first of the five tough talks, the how we work. And we got really clear on if I have to challenge you or give you feedback either way, how do we want to do that? Or Tina, if I'm seeing something you're not seeing, how should I bring that up to you? And so what I realized to get over the people pleasing is if I come at it from a caring way, like I care about you, I care about your our relationship, I care about the results we're going to deliver together, that these conversations were less difficult because it truly came from a place right? Of, of caring. It was, I'm going to share this with you. I'm going to share something tough with you that you may not be seeing because I care about you. And let's have a conversation and see what might be going on. Yeah. So good. Which you coined the phrase bravership, which I love by the way, because it's bravery and leadership together. Mm-hmm. Hello. I didn't really realize it because, you know, people ask me, you know, is it hard to be a boss? And, and I'm like, no, but I didn't realize in my personality trait, right? I, I, I'm a desk coach, DISC coach, leadership or a coach, personality coach. And so I have that high D. So I yes. think when you have that high D in your personality, you're like braver than most people, right? And so I just think that's so big. And I want to ask you, how did you coin that phrase, by the way? Where did that come from? It's absolutely brilliant. So I found in the work I was doing with leaders was the miss the common missing element was bravery. And so I was working yeah. with them in picture kind of like big workshop, leadership development, getting ready to get promoted to the C-suite. And we're working on like really true experiential skills, tools to and reps and practices. But then what I was seeing was when they would get back into their environments and their culture. Sometimes they weren't brave enough to do what felt safe in this in this container, this environment where we were practicing and testing things out. And I was like, well, that's it. I was like, bravery is a skill, leadership is an action. But if we haven't built this skill of bravery, we can't take the action that's needed. And so I I thought, okay, how do we get leaders to be a bit braver? And what are those mindsets, behaviors, and habits? And that's where Small Brave Moves ended up becoming born was I researched and worked with C-suite leaders all over to say, what are the common mindsets, behaviors, and habits that we need to be a bit braver in the work we're doing or to make just one small brave move in that moment where we're, you know, we can feel the butterflies rising and going, ah. I'm not sure, but you know, something needs to be said. Okay. What's one move we can make in that moment. Yeah. It's so good. And this is so powerful because it's not just about training our teams in leadership, so to speak, it's training them how to be brave. <laughs> and that's yeah. really it. Yeah. And so that's why I love that your book and it is, it's like a playbook that has scripts and worksheets. It's, it's so me looking at your book and I'm like, oh my gosh, I cannot wait to share this with my team. I want to ask you, what would you say as you coach leaders Nicole, that you're seeing, because I want people to put themselves in this position right now um, to think about 
Uh, what's some of the toughest conversations that you think people are avoiding? Why they bring you on to be a coach in their companies? Uh, that is a great question. I would say, I will tell you, I'm seeing it show up in a couple of different areas. The first one that's coming up for me when you said it was the what's going on conversation, because yeah. it's the most awkward conversation. And uh, that one leaders really struggle with because they all, sometimes they'll use the word, well, it feels like therapy. And it's like, yeah. no, 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 it's yeah. not therapy. If you use your presence as the intervention and use the mindset of coaching, you're simply just acknowledging that something's going on, you care about them and you want to see if you might be able to help them or somebody else, you could direct them in the way that they need to go. The what's going on is the one that I find that leaders really, really struggle with. But where I get brought into companies with leaders and teams is if they haven't done the first one, the how we work, and they're not doing the asks. And so then, you know, they'll come in and they'll be like, oh, we've got all these problems. And, you know, we've got these big goals that we're trying to accomplish. And I, when I ask questions and do the assessment, a lot of times it boils down to they haven't had the how they've been so focused on what they want to deliver. They have not made any time for how they want to do it. What do you expect from me? What do I expect from you? And now we have, you know, we don't have those conversations and then there's false expectations and dysfunction starts creeping into the teams. Um, <laughs> the other one that I will tell you that I see often is uh, companies that forget to have the first three and all of a sudden they're having to have the being better conversation. And uh -huh. they'll say, Nicole, I need a coaching session. I'm like, okay, what's going on? And they outline this issue, right? And I'm like, ah, oh, yeah. and this pattern of behavior that they have ignored and not addressed at all. And now they're scared because they have to have the being better conversation and they've done none of the foundational stuff around how we work or asking or the what's going on conversation. And they're trying to navigate a really tough talk. This is so good. And, and I want to back up here because Nicole, she outlines it so well in her book and it's called the five types of tough talk. So the whole book is based on those five areas. And I thought, oh my gosh, why didn't I think of this? Nicole, I was like, oh, this is brilliant. Um, so number one is how we work. We're going to drill down here in a moment. And the second is the ask. The third is what's going on. Four is being better. And number five is moving on. And I want to ask you, so the how we work, so that's the first one. That's the foundational piece, which is so big because, mm -hmm. you know, I, I have a coaching company and I train our team of, do you have all your systems in writing, <laughs> you know, how you want your team to behave and, and all of that. But then also I have a conversation on, okay, how often are you communicating? How often are you having one-on-ones? I always find, and I want to ask you, it always goes back to, and in my companies and people that I'm coaching, that we didn't have a good onboarding system with that team player. And we didn't clearly set up the expectations from the get-go. And we're having that moving on conversation a lot sooner than we probably should have because we didn't do a good onboarding. Can you talk about that? Yeah, exactly. And the how we work fits into that onboarding where you're having honest conversations with each other to say, I'm going to have to give you feedback from time to time. And, and I want to get feedback from you and opening what it ends up doing is it accelerates the get to know you period. And you're really investing in the relationship in that moment. And if you invest in the relationship, the results will follow. It's where we get stuck when we don't invest in that relationship and getting to know them and what's 
but when, you know, and I give a series of questions and they're like, when is their energy best during the day? So, you know, when to approach them with difficult things, how do they want to be recognized? Why let's take the guesswork out of it. And then back to the one-on-ones you've got to, once you're in the onboarding, you, I recommend always to always do uh, quick one-on-ones, rapid one-on-ones early and often, and then slowly back off of those. So they are not waiting, you know, for two weeks or whatever your cadence is to be able to ask you these questions or to, it slows down their learning and development so much, right? If you don't have, they, they don't have access to you. And what I find with leaders is they get, they find that one-on-ones sometimes get stale or they don't, feel like they're getting and they're scared to reinvent it. They don't give them permission. They don't give themselves permission to experiment with them or to even say, Hey, I want to try something different. They just cancel them or they move them to once a month. They slow down the cadence, which slows down all of the communication and the relationship building. And then you're like, Oh, and then we get into trouble on the performance side because we're not having, you know, we're not, are we fall out of alignment on what needs to be happening. Wow. Okay. This is so powerful. Like you got to freshen up your one-on-ones. That's why it's important to have people like you in our corner. There's not enough communication books out there, Nicole. And that's why I love this book so much, because I think a lot of leaders have a hard time putting all this into words, which you had no struggle. And I was looking at your, um, you have incredible ideas of one-on-one questions and things like, how are you feeling these days? Since we last met, what are you most proud of and why? And it's just like super fresh questions that I think will get your team. Cause I've even had our team say to us, like, oh, we meet too often, you know, like, can we slow down the meetings? And I'm like, that's clue for me. Like, okay, Tina, you suck as a leader. Like you need to kind of freshen it up on your communication strategy, which I think this can really do that. And I love that you said when you invest in the relationships, results will follow. Talk to that CEO, CFO, whatever you want to call them. I call them chief everything officers, because I think most of them are highly task orientated. They're not relationship orientated. And that's how they get, you know, brought up into that position. Do you find that, Nicole, A, and then B, talk to them. How can they spend more time with building relationships and less on task? Yeah. So I'm going to go back for just a second to something you said, and then we'll hit the C-suite. So when you said to yourself, oh, Tina, you know, you're terrible at this, the, the communication, the one-on-one that you were saying, I need to freshen up the one-on-ones. Yes. What you just did in that moment is what most leaders do. They beat themselves up and it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, why are we beating ourselves up over this? All good things come to an end. And it just takes a, it's it, at that moment where you're like, this is no longer serving me. Uh, what's that new habit? What's it need to look like? And so if we yeah. look at it from a little different mindset, right, instead of beating ourselves up or putting all the pressure on us as leaders. So we put all of the pressure, like we have to own the one-on-ones and design them. We have to own the team meetings. Well, do we? I mean, maybe we co-create it with the person we're having the conversation with and we lessen some of that pressure of us having to be the expert all the time, right? So I don't want you to beat yourself up, Tina, because you should not be beating yourself up. I love it. But then back to the C-suite, I do, there, you are right. There 
are a lot of C-suite chief everything officers who are very operationally focused and they get so, and they get so focused on that, that they forget about all the other components, right? The relationships, the development in their teams and their people. And that's often where we get brought in and they're like, help us, help us. And my first conversation I will have with them is you can't outsource it. I can work with you to build the capability in you to do all of it. But if I'm brought in just to work with your leadership team and not you, and you're not going to model it, it just won't work. And those are really tough conversations to have. I've sat across from a 60 year old CEO. Who's like, Nicole, I really don't care. You can't change who I am. I just need you to fix my team. And I said, I don't think we're going to be a good partner. Um, I've got to be able to work with you and the leadership team for the success that you want and the results that you're looking for. And I had to say no to a really large contract because of that, because of the, most people would say, yeah, it doesn't matter. I'll figure it out. And I'm just going to get in there and start doing the work. And I was like, it's clear. It's, it's not. So having even just a a chief, everything officer, uh, anybody in the C-suite that recognizes that they've got that gap, a li- even a small gap that are willing to invest in themselves um, and, and hire a coach like you or, you know, a, another coach that can work with them. Um, I think those that's where I start seeing the transformation. And I'll tell you, if you're listening to this and you are interested in a coach, find a coach that has their own coach, because those are the best coaches, the coaches that actually continue to develop and up-level themselves are the best coaches to work with. Yeah. The other thing I find too, Nicole, just out of curiosity, is I see a lot of coaches end up getting get, getting hired by these companies to work for them as like the director or, you know, the new CEO of the company. And so I, I love what you're saying because that's how I've always felt like, let me set you up to be the coach in your company. Yes. Have an outside coach so you can continue to grow that, you know, the lid, your leadership lid, but also like you can't outsource this, you know, it's like, you can't always have a babysitter watching your kids 24 seven, you know, you can, but you're, guess what? You're not going to have a relationship with your kids the nanny is yes so we got to watch that and that's the same situation here um let's jump into the ask what's going on being better moving on and i love this so much because if you give a lot of really great tools in the book especially questions and i find what i want to hear from you nicole because i find a lot of people struggle with being curious They struggle with really listening and really leaning in and know which question to ask next. A, where does that come from? And B, what's the solution for leaders? Uh, You are not alone if you feel that way with the next question. I'll tell you, when I went through my coaching certification, the number one thing I noticed with all coaches is we were so nervous about what's the next perfect question to ask and to recognize that it's a a little bit of art and a little bit of science, but- That if we sit in that moment and we trust a little bit of silence, we can come up with what we're most. And I always, I always ask people when they're in the middle of that coaching moment, just what's one thing you're most curious about in the moment? What do you want to ask? And they're like, well, I want to know about this. Well, then ask that question. And so being able Uh to, being able to uh, sit in that moment and have a good, I'll tell you. The other thing that I see with um, leaders that are really working on enhancing their ability to hold a coaching stance more and asking powerful questions and listening is they'll have a list of their 10 top go-to coaching questions. So if they feel stuck, they glance at them, they look at them, it brings something up for them so they can sit in that moment. Because if we 
focus on the next question we're going to ask. It may not even be the right question by the time they're done talking, right? And so that's why I use I use that same technique. I thought about it as these conversation starters for each uh, just good, solid, caring, but bold questions they can ask to start the conversation. Because if I can get them to start the conversation strong and work through the framework in the messy middle and then end with accountability and action, because that's the other thing, it's the how I start it. And then most leaders struggle with accountability and action and landing that conversation so that the change that needs to happen actually is going to happen, right? And it's not just a great conversation we had. So good. And, and you know, uh, you were talking too, I was listening to you on another podcast and, and I heard someone say 50% of people quit because of their leader and their boss. And I really believe it's because they're not investing in themselves in this way of learning how to be a better coach, right? right. And I've always said, if you can't coach, you can't lead. And right. so you've got to become a better coach. And so I would love to hear from you on this because talk to that leader right now. And and I again, you know, their chief task off officers, right? They're constantly, I don't have time for this, Tina. And so I look sometimes at my team and I'm like, okay, what's your um, leadership growth plan this year? And they look at me if, if I have four heads, because they're like, are you kidding me? I have so many tasks I got to take care of. I cannot be a leader, right? And so talk to that leader right now about why they must make it a task of developing themselves as a leader and what should that look like? What advice do you give leaders, especially when they're first starting out in this? Uh, the number one thing I say is own your growth, own it. Mm -hmm. Nobody else can do it for you. And no, yes, you might have a mentor that's a champion or yes, you might get a great leader to work with for a period of time that is very invested in your growth, but those are few and far in between. You have to own your growth. And so every single year, I remember even in those transformational situations I was put in, I was running 150 miles per hour. And I told myself, if I don't level up my growth at the same time, I, there's no way I'm going to be able to problem solve, figure this out, or be able to reach for that next rung. And so simultaneously, I would I would pitch and make a proposal for, I want to go to this type of training or this type of leadership development. Or as I rose up higher, I was like, I want to go do an executive education at Stanford. And here's what that's going to look like. And here's what how that will benefit you as a company. So I found, and that's the number two tough talk. It's the ask. It's asking for permission and you saying, here's what I need to grow. Here's what I think are some opportunities for me to kind of, whether it's, it could even be a coaching program because you want to build the skill of coaching, whatever that is, advocate for yourself and own your growth because otherwise you'll see everybody advancing. And I'm not talking about advancing necessarily promotional title that you'll see them advance in their leadership and who they are and how they show up. And they will be, uh, they will be the ones that everybody goes after, right? And you'll be you'll be left behind. Yeah, they're the ones that have the most influence in the company, and everyone's following yes. them, right? And so let's talk about that. I I love own your growth. I think that's huge, right? And so I want to hear, like, as we start to you know end, start to get to the end of this, which I'm so sad. I wish I could spend hours with you because this is amazing. Is as as you start to think about some of the things that you've coached people on, Nicole, what has been some of your best transformational uh, periods with it if you, as you've taken on these hard conversations, right? What's the most transformational that you've seen with leaders taking on these five tough talks? 
getting them to see that their leadership style is really their whole self and Mm -hmm. really starting to see, you know, so many times we have this adaptive style at work or we put up this, you know, kind of facade or we play this part. And so where I've really seen the transformation happen is when they really get clear on who they are, right? What are their ethos? What are their, what's their leadership philosophy? What's most important to them? And once they can, because so many times they'll anchor onto whatever the company's is and they don't get real clear on theirs and then they can't see where their gaps are and what their opportunities are. And once, and I feel like when we have those deep conversations, then they become, it becomes easier for them to have all the other conversations because your leadership philosophy as a leader should be woven into all five of those conversations. You should be really clear on what's acceptable and what's not acceptable, um, you know, as you're having conversations with individuals, because we need to know what the rules are and the agreements and what's most important to you as a leader. If I don't know that and you, you don't know that as a leader and you can't articulate it, well, how can I win as somebody on your team? Yeah. Wow. 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 It's so true. And, you know, identity, your identity really drives the behavior and the results, right? Yes. yes. Identity of who you are. And that's why you've got to invest in yourself. Like you said, own your own growth, right? Invest in yourself. What's your growth plan? And like I said, when I do talk to leaders, they stare at me like I have three heads thinking, what are you talking about? I don't have a growth plan. You know, what does that look like? I almost have to spell it out. I'd love to hear, you know, for as you move into 20, end of 2023 into 2024, uh, give some ideas to people like what is your growth plan for 2024, Nicole? And what are some of the growth plans that you advise some leaders to take on? What kind of strategies to grow? I'll tell you my mantra for 2024 is going to be permission, permission to experiment, Mm. permission to experiment with different things and giving my, so I have this, I'm a DI on the disc as well. So I have this this need, like, let's go, let's get this done. Right. And I of course want it to be perfect and I want everybody to love it. And sometimes figuring things out and getting it 80% there the first round um, and giving yourself permission to experiment with different things. So permission to experiment with some new fun, like transformational things on stage, permission to experiment with some women executive leadership retreats I'm going to be doing in 2024. I've got one in Sedona and I'm finalizing the game plan for Tuscany. So doing my very first international one. And that is scary. That is, you know, will it be perfect? Probably not. How do I get it as close to possible so that those that come can have a transformational experience with me? Um, I've been doing this for years. I feel like I've got a really good feel for all the pieces, but if I don't give myself permission to experiment, um, I don't know that I'll get it where I really needs to be. I might hold too tight of a grip onto what I think it needs to be. Um, So I think for me, it's permission to experiment, to level up and go even bigger than I have before, which is scary. It's going to require small, brave moves, probably some tough conversations as well. Um, And I have to, I have to, you'll, if you, anybody picks up small, brave moves, I talk about intention setting every single day. And so I have to get really clear about setting my intentions for the day and reminding myself um, of what I've accomplished, what I'm going after, and that it's that it's okay to to uh, to fail fast and to do some different things as well. Oh, 
This is so good. You're definitely my new obsession right now. And I just, I'm loving your books. I love the look of your books. I love everything you have to say and the people you're bringing on. It's just, it's so, so huge. So thank you for that. Talk about, as we start to end this, what are some of the ways that people can follow you, get involved with some of your coaching programs? Um, but I, I'm really excited to hear about your certification program that's coming out too. So talk about that. Perfect. So follow me on LinkedIn. I put a lot of great content out there. I've, I've got, have a new video series that we'll be launching on YouTube. We're just finalizing uh, the final cuts of the video. So LinkedIn, YouTube, and Instagram are my three favorite places to show up and, and share more about how to have those tough conversations or to make those small, brave moves. And as we were, uh, as we were getting ready to launch the five tough talks, we realized um, we had kind of a choice. One, people could hire us to come in and do the five tough talks in their organization. But where the true transformation will take place is if we build capability inside organizations. And that's when the certification program came to me where I was like, okay, we're going to do a certification on five tough talks and a separate one on small, brave moves where you can take it and go build that capability and facilitate it and teach it, build it into the culture, the values of how you work within your business and that to me will spread so much faster than me trying to be everywhere all at once, which will never work. And so we'll be launching that. We're taking a founders group through this uh, December to finalize it. And then we'll formally be launching it late February, early March. But we'll be sharing more on LinkedIn, Instagram. You can sign up for my newsletter on uh, my website as well. We're get, we'll give updates on that um, too. But I'm excited to build capability within organizations. I can't wait. Huge. This is absolutely huge. Yeah. And I can't wait to join you on this journey. You know, I've been looking for the right certification program that really aligns with my values and thinking I want, that's how I want to grow. That's part of my growth period. Cause I know the more I grow, the more my team's going to grow. And besides it's, it's fun. Right. And we all need to be a little bit more brave. Um, talk to, as we end this out, what is some last piece of advice that I, I would love for you to share with people of how and why as a leader that they need to be brave. Mm -hmm. We teach people how to treat us. Mm. And so if by us staying silent, not saying anything, not leaning into that small brave move, or even one of those tough talks, we teach people it's okay that what's happening when we know, you know, we know that we, we could have said or done something. And so that would be the thing I want you to think about is we teach people how to treat us. And so how do you want to be treated, right? How do you want your team to treat you? How do you want your team to show up for you? Um, make the ask, let them know, be super clear on it because that's where the transformation and the results will start to happen for you. Yeah. So big. I love it. Nicole, Thank you for being on this podcast interview. You are amazing. <laughs> thank you, Tina. I feel the same way about you. So thank oh. you for having me. Oh, yeah. God bless you, Nicole. I'll be talking to you soon. Okay. okay. Thank you. Right, Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. And don't forget to send us your stories of transformation through www.tinablack.net. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to give it a rating and subscribe. See you next time.